0: Lord God, this morning we give you praise. God, we thank you that you have raised us from death to life. God, you have given us grace when we deserved none. God, you know our name. You love us. You have a good plan for our life. You know all the days before us, all the days behind us. And God, you still love us. You still have grace for us. And God, this morning we choose to to sing your praise. The King of kings, the Lord of lords the creator, God, the saviour of the world. God, you are so good to us, so good to us. God, we pray this morning that we might know that grace, we might know your presence, we might be encouraged by you. We thank you for being the, the king, the lord, the leader of this church, this family, this house. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Great to have you with us this morning. Special welcome to anyone that's new this morning. If it's your first time, welcome. Why don't you take a moment, turn around, not everybody, half of you turn around, half of you face forward. Greet somebody. Welcome them. And Good morning to those online this morning. Great to have you with us. Uh, there should be some next steps and connect cards in the chat and in the comments, so please make use of them. Check in online if you um, have the church centre app. Check in, let us know that you're watching. Also next week, for those online, uh, we have communion. So make sure you're ready next week to share in communion at home, uh, prepare something, some bread and some juice and uh, it'll be great to have that together as a church. Well, fantastic. Happy Mother's Day as well. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the house, all the mothers online. Happy Mother's Day. Um, very special morning. We've got some special things planned um, after the service, just letting you know that as you walk out this morning, for those in the building, there's going to be a, I'm told there's going to be a grazing table. I don't know what that means, but I think that means food for you to graze like, a, like livestock. I imagine that for, for mothers, for mums, yes. Mums first and second and third. And then if there's any left over take it home for mum. Ask if you can have some. Uh, and I think there's also going to be, um, I'm told, a photo booth or somewhere you can get a picture taken. Uh, they might print it out, post it to you, send it to you. I'm not sure. But it's going to be surprised surprise. When you walked in, it was like the foyer. And then when you walk out, it's going to be, I think it's going to be different. Who knows? Um, great to have the kids in the service All, already. We've got a A group of kids down the back corner there, Um, and if you are a child and you want to make uh, or colour in a Mother's Day card, you can head down that corner, grab something, take it back to your seat, or stay there and and colour it in. Um, Creche is on for the little ones, babies to kinder age. If you need to make use of creche, then it is running at the moment. You can do that. Make sure you've checked in on your Church Centre app. Let us know that you're here. Um, Obviously, you need to scan the QR code as well when you walk through the doors um, for our COVID-safe plan. What else have we got coming up? Worship and prayer night. This is something I'm pretty excited about. In two weeks' time, on Sunday the 23rd, we're going to have a a prayer and worship night here on Sunday night um, at 7 o'clock. So we're doing, um, for the last couple of years, we've done Thy Kingdom Come. Um, There's some details in the newsletter um, on about Thy Kingdom Come, uh, but it's a 10-day or 11-day prayer movement around um, between Pentecost and Ascension, Uh, and so you can get involved in Thy Kingdom Come, there's some good resources um, online for you to check out, Uh, and then on the 23rd of May is when it finishes, and so we're going to do a celebration of prayer and worship, um, but also for anyone that wants to join in, if you're not involved in Thy Kingdom Come and you want to come just for a prayer and worship night, Um, we're going to do that. We're inviting other churches from Sale to join us on that night as well. So put it in your diary, um, check out the details on the Church Centre app or on the website and come along for that 23rd of May worship and prayer night. It's going to be good. Fantastic. I think that's it. Have I missed anything, team? Nah. Good? Good? Are you good? Um... What are we going to do now? We're going to pray. I I don't normally do this job, so you can probably tell. Forget what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to start preaching in a moment. But no, we've got um, our kids and families pastor preaching this morning. Steve's going to be preaching in a moment. And we've got a little video we're going to show in a moment. But before we do that, um, I really want to just take a moment to pray. Uh, And I wanted this morning just to focus our prayer around uh, those that we know that aren't saved. You know, we believe that um, prayer causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if we didn't otherwise pray. Uh, We believe the impossible. And I know there's people in my life, and I'm sure there's people in your life, that you know that don't know Jesus yet. And you might think to yourself, well, they'll probably never know Jesus. They'll probably never become a Christian because they're just that type of person. Um, And I really believe that as we pray and as we seek God, that prayer changes things. Prayer changes a, a heart of someone who's far from Jesus, who's rejecting Him, to turn towards Him and soften their heart towards Him. So just as we pray this morning, I want you to maybe just close your eyes in this moment and just think of those people in your life that you feel that you are called to, to reach out to, to witness to, to bring into a relationship with Jesus. And let's lift them up this morning together. Let's really believe that God might do something in their hearts, even this morning as we're praying. So God, we thank you for this church and we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you that we can pray to you and you hear our prayers and you act when we pray. And God, we know that your love for people is greater than our love for people. We know that the people that we're thinking of right now that don't yet know you, that we love so dearly. God, you love even more. You love so much that you gave your son for them. And God, we lift them up to you right now. We ask that the Holy Spirit might come into their life in a in a life-changing way, that you might soften their heart to the gospel. You might use us, you might uh, fill us with your boldness and your courage to to speak the right words, to speak the gospel to them when the opportunity arises. And God, we pray for opportunities even this week to do that. Opportunities to share about Jesus. And God, we pray that we might see um, more people come to know you this year than we've ever seen before. And God, not so that our church can be great, but so that people can come into a a life-changing relationship with you. That they might know you as their Lord and Saviour. And God, I pray that you might put it on our hearts to pray for people often. To lift people up and to believe that prayer changes things. That we can call to you and you actually listen to us. And so God, we lift up our, our friends and our family. We lift up our town. We lift up those that are Um, connected in different ways to our church. We lift up those that are online, those that are in the room right now that don't yet know you, and we ask that you might change their hearts. You might help them to see you as a living God, as a saviour. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, before we get into God's Word this morning, we've got a little video. So cast your eyes to the screens.
1: She's the best book we'll She really smiling. Because she loves us. And she gives us the bad cuddle. Because she gives, because I love her so much, and uh, she gives me love cuddling and kisses, and I really like <laughs> Max. and you know? Because she's lovely. Because she takes care of us. Because she helps us. Because she haggles me, <laughs> and she gives me chocolate and I was born from her. She played with me because she has good cuddles. Mm-hmm. I love my mum because she drives me to footy and church, and she um, is a great cook, and she gives me education at school. Would she makes everything with me and play with me. I like my baby, I like her favourite in in, um, um, Chicago. I love my mum because she
0: takes care of me and she plays with me too. I love my mum because she cooks for me and she, um, she takes me to school. I love my mum because she's such a great cook and she'll let's make chocolate and place
1: PlayStation. Happy Mother's Day. I really like saying congratulations for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Love you Mom Love. You. Love you. We do love our mums. We do. And they are a blessing from God. do I know at least one of those mums is at football with their kids today on Mother's Day, because that's what mothers do. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Steve. Uh, I'm married to Pastor Jack. We have three kids, uh, all in their 20s. I'm a part-time primary school chaplain, part-time vet, and I'm part-time here as um, kids and families pastor. So I'm continuing on our home series. Last week, Pastor Brad preached about having a Jesus-centred heart and the effect that has not only on our own confidence, but how it flows over onto those around us when we centre our hearts and our lives on Jesus. And he gave us a really great quote. The best technique to influence others towards Jesus is to influence your own heart towards Jesus. I love that quote. Uh, So this morning I want to follow on from Pastor Brad, who talked about our relationship with our kids and talk a bit more about being Jesus-centred parents, which kind of fits with Mother's Day. Um, When I saw the series was called Home, I sort of thought, well, it's probably a good place to start. What is a home? So apparently Metricon had been building quality homes for 40 years. (laughs) South Gippsland Homes are creating a dream home. King built will build your forever home without compromise. And G.J. Gardner make building your dream home fun, which can't be true. But then they follow up with a more honest quote, which is, your house needs to feel like a home. So home is not an excellent location, exceptional design, quality features with a custom outdoor entertaining area. That just describes a house. What makes a house a home? It's warmth safety, acceptance, belonging, forgiveness, celebration, encouragement, support, love, all those intangible things that you can only realise and you can only live out through relationships with other people. In my thinking, a good home or having good homes is the hope for the future and not just for Christians, but for society itself. And I think good homes don't just happen. I think they are created consciously and deliberately. And that means if you aren't consciously trying to create a good home, you might, by default, be creating a poor one. I'm not saying that there won't be love there and safety and belonging... But um, in my work with kids, I've seen enough kids that come from less than good homes. They come from homes that just kind of develop organically and just happen. And I see the damage that happens to those kids when the effort of trying to create a good home isn't put in. Um, Those kids feel like they belong. That's their home. That's all they know. But it's not nurturing. It's not healthy. And little by little, day by day, damage happens to those kids. And that will shape the world, because they're the people who are going to live on after we go. So, having good homes is an important thing. When you think about it, the family members most vulnerable and most affected by home are our children. And who wields the most effect or influence in the home? The parents, or the caring adults that act in that sort of role. Even these homes where kids seem to rule a roost, that only happens because the parents allow them to do that. Um, it's not like the kids magically force their parents into giving them control. So needless to say, I paint a pretty heavy picture of the responsibility of parents or caring adults in the home. So where, as adults, where do we learn to do home? Well, we learn from our family of origin, the family we grew up in. It has a huge impact on how we do home. And very often we just fall into the patterns and the habits of our parents just by default. If we don't stop to think about it, we do the same things with our kids that our parents did with us, the good and the bad. Um, There's nothing more confronting and it's, if you're a parent for long enough, it doesn't take long before you hear your mother's words coming out of your mouth. And it, suddenly that all clicks in. You think, yeah, and sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes it's not. Uh, another place we learn to do home is from our friends or the media, uh, especially social media. I don't think it has much influence on how we do home. Apart from it just loads us up with heaps of guilt because we see what rubbish parents we are and how everybody else has got their act together and how good they are and all they've got these bright ideas and they've got all this time to do stuff with their kids and we realise how short we fall in the parenting stakes. Um, and it doesn't do much to help us. Another place we learn about parenting or how to do home is from the Word of God or the Bible. This is where we can conscious, consciously learn how to do home because God's truth is truth. And that means it is as true and as relevant now as it ever has been and it ever will be. Because otherwise it wouldn't be truth. Uh, Let's just pray. Lord, I pray this morning that uh, we hear your message to us. Um, Despite what I say or with what I say, I pray that people hear your message message in their hearts this morning, Lord. So just help us to understand your truth because that's what we struggle with. So help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I'm going to enter that minefield piece of scripture that has been used out of context as a blunt weapon to bludgeon people with guilt and shame for centuries. So cut me some grace, hear me out before you throw me out. because we're going to talk about Ephesians and anyone who's been around for a while and their husband and wife can see where this is going. So after talking generally about how to live, Paul has something to say about Christian homes and this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 to 33, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, first and foremost, this part of Paul's letter comes after the following things have been emphasized in his letter, and he would assume that people have taken them on board walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us, live as children of light in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Be careful, be wise and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He even starts the passage with submit to one another. And that fits in with other teachings like in Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 to 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And in Colossians, where Paul also talks about Christians' homes, he talks about husbands and wives, very similar to the Ephesians passage. Um, But he sets a context earlier in that letter in Colossians, in chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. So, that is where this passage in Ephesians is starting out from. So, leaving aside your personal feelings about that passage, um, about husbands and wives, let's look at what Paul emphasises right at the end of it. He says, husbands need to love and wives need to respect. So, why the difference? Because really, in emphasising that line at the end, he sort of sets the tone for that passage. So, you know, why is that different? In my opinion, it's because God knows how He made us, as men and women. He knows that the deep need of men is to know that they are respected, that they are significant, that they matter. And if you think about it, that's why guys, you know, originally climb mountains and build stuff and dig holes and, you know, do things like that. They want people to notice them. And the deep need of women is to know they are loved and of value. And that's why, I know, in, with my wife, that's why, you know, hugs and that um, visible sign of being loved is so important. He also knows that the hardest thing for a husband is to express his love. And the hardest thing for a wife is to express her respect for her fallible spouse. So how should husbands love? As Jesus did. And that means, as Alan Meyer likes to say from um, Life Keys, he likes to say, you get to die first. So you should give your life in defence, protection, and service to your wife. You should be a healer, a foot washer, and as Jesus did, lead in sacrificial service to love and cherish your bride as Christ did us, his church. How should wives respect? or in some translations, submit. And this is where the whole minefield thing is. In the original Greek, that word submit gives the meaning or the context of being covertly or quietly or in an orderly way, putting yourself under someone's leadership or allowing them to lead. And I thought about that, and for me, the examples that sprang to mind are if you have a king or a ruler he will have very close advisers who he doesn't make a decision without consulting. Or in more contemporary terms, you'll have like the Prime Minister, who we know doesn't wield all the power, but he has his close cabinet who he consults with and gets a consensus from before he does things. Or even more than that, there's the grey men, the, the unknown politician middlemen who just float in the background, who hold all this power because they've got his ear and they're advising him but we see as the leader, the Prime Minister. So, for my reading of that passage, um, for wives respecting their husbands, it's saying, don't wrangle for power, allow him to lead, but help him to lead, because God knows he will need that help. Be a close, trusted advisor to help him live up to his responsibility in his family. Because if this is the way God has set things out for families, that means your husband will be held fully accountable for his family before God. And I don't know about the rest of the guys in the room who are husbands, but I find that a really sobering thought, that I will be held responsible for my family before God. And notice in that passage, no one is lesser in that relationship when it's taken in the full context of the passage. Paul goes on to talk about this mysterious union of Christ and church and husband and wife, both becoming one. Loving as you love yourself, because that's how close you are now. You should be united as one, not two very close together, but one. Just like Jesus and the church are intimately connected, so husband and wife are. So to harm one is to harm yourself. And I know over the years and I've heard lots of Christian debate about this and I know in some um, religious communities it's a really hot topic about, you know, wives submitting to husbands and things like that and we get very sensitive about it and it can be very polarising because I think for years it's a text that's been really abused in Christian circles. But I like to think of it as um, the example of like a couple who are ballroom dancing They both agree on what they're going to do. Uh, They're both um, working together to get where they're going. But one has to lead or else it doesn't work. But when we look at them, we just see a single unit in harmony. And even if you think about it, think about the Trinity itself. Jesus submits to the Father who leads. He gives us that example Um, But we know that Jesus is equal with God uh, because He's God Himself. And we know that Father, Jesus and Holy Spirit are one, a single entity working in harmony. If we can try and live in that reality, um, what Paul has advised should become a place of health and safety, not a place of somebody dominating and abusing. For me, personally, one thing that really... um, throws me is when husbands and wives run each other down when they're with others. Now we all have little jokes and we have little jokes particularly with our close friends um, but I'm talking about uh, the typical thing for me is if you go to a barbecue and all the bikes are standing around the barbecue and that's when the, the comments will start in a joking sort of way and the same um, when women are together I've heard the same sort of things. And it makes me shudder to hear a husband joke disparagingly about his wife, or to get a laugh, uh, or or a wife to get a laugh at her husband's expense, when they're the very people who should be ready to defend the honour and dignity of the other one before everybody else. I mean, we all like a laugh, and we've all done this, um, but we need to not do it. We really do. Be your spouse's defender. Remember, they are you, because you are one. Respecting yourself means respecting and honouring and loving them. And more than this, your children are watching and learning how to treat others, including the others that might become their future spouse. So this relationship of husband and wife is the very core of the family. Get this as right as you can and you're well on your way to building a good home. You have to treasure this relationship. You have to defend it and you've got to work like crazy to build it. And of course, being so important, this is where the enemy will continue to attack you time and time again. It takes hard work and it takes both of you to do the work. I know with Jackie and I, I think we have a a great relationship, but it's come at the cost of a lot of tears and a lot of work over the years and we still have to work at it day by day, week by week but it is really worth it. So this relationship of submission, respect, mutual sacrificial love playing out in our homes, this is what our kids are immersed in and that's where they'll learn what those sort of abstract things like respect and love mean and what they should look like. We can tell them Bible stories till they can quote them in their sleep, but the reality is what they see every day. Um, Their reality is what they see between mum and dad. That's where they'll get their idea of what the truth is from. So that's great if there is a mum and a dad at home, but what about single parents? I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a single parent, apart from I imagine it must be just a super tough job. Because you're going to have to have that love and respect enough for two people. You're going to have to show the working out of what that love and respect looks like to others and particularly to yourself. And that's really hard to do sometimes. And what if there are no kids at home? Um, Is this relevant? Well, look back at what we said. Home was acceptance, safety, belonging, forgiveness, encouragement, support, love. So, home will always be where you find those things. So, as part of our family here at SBC, you will have kids around you watching you and they're watching you display those things every time we get together. You'll have kids in your neighbourhood. You'll have your friends' kids, kids in the community, down the street. They see you. They watch you. And by trying to make your house a good home, you'll live in a way that has more influence and an influence that carries far wider than you can ever imagine. And if you feel like you don't have a good home to turn to, then let this community become a home. One of our values is a home for all. So let this be a place where you can find acceptance and belonging, forgiveness and encouragement, support and love. The This creation of good homes, it it really is a serious responsibility for us. Um, And you might think, well, you know, that's great, but I could never create this magical good home. You know, you don't know what it's like for me, you don't know what it's like in my home. Um, But remember, God knows you. He doesn't want perfect, He wants you. He has shaped you to be the person you are. And your best efforts given to him will be better than perfect for your kids or the kids around you. So whether they're your immediate family or whether they're just the kids that are in your environment. So let me close with some practical tips about keeping Jesus at the centre of our homes um, when we're talking about parenting. Show love and show how people interact in community. Have an open home. Embrace extended family, your kids' friends, your adopted family here at church, your neighbours, workmates. Don't live in isolation and don't isolate your family because that seems to happen more and more these days. Let kids see adults interacting with respect and interest and care. Life with others is where kids see spiritual gifts at work and where they see God at work. Get to know your kids, really get to know them. Take time to talk about them and their lives. Don't assume you know what their life is like just because you were a kid, because you don't. Invest time into your kids, go on dates one-on-one, talk when you're driving them to sport or driving them to school. Put your phone down and talk to them. And when you do, let them have a conversation that doesn't come with what their room looks like or doesn't come with what their behaviour's been like, but rather let it be about them, just about them for a change. Um, In Colossians it says, fathers don't exasperate your children. And I think a big part of this is taking the time to actually get to know them and understand them and and what life is like for them now because it's not the same as what life was like for you. Let them see how you live, let them see how you worship, let them see how you handle the tough times, how you pray, how you read the Bible because that's where they'll draw their conclusions about the reality of God. You can say what you like but they will watch your life and that's what they'll say, well that's real. Talk about Jesus in front of your kids, talk about Jesus with your kids. Even those things in faith that we struggle with, and we all have them, we struggle to understand them. Talk about those with your kids. Because a kid's eye view can sometimes be very enlightening. It can cut through the adult fog, I think. Um, Because in Matthew 11.25, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. And it's not there just because it sounds nice. It's there because it's true. Sometimes we bring a lot of baggage when we're trying to sort through problems. And sometimes you hear a kid's answer to it or a kid's take on it. And you just think, yeah, that's right. It is that simple. So talk about those things with your kids. And talk about life issues. Talk about matters of social justice and how you feel about them in the light of Jesus' teaching. Pray with your kids not just at night, but pray when they have problems and pray when they have successes. Show them how to praise God and show them how to turn to God when they're in pain and they're in need. And allow kids to be an active part of the family. Allow them to participate. Allow them to be participants, not consumers. Discuss family issues together. Let them have some input into planning family holidays or activities. Allow them to lead prayer, even if it's just saying grace for a meal. Uh, Allow them to ask awkward questions about life and seek the answers together. Don't just fob them off if you think it's too difficult to explain. Allow them to serve others, not just themselves, not just keeping their room tidy or looking after themselves. Remember, Jesus told us the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So they're ready to participate in a life of faith now. So let them, encourage them. But most of all, I think, live your life with Jesus at the centre. It's going right back to where we started with that quote from Brad, where he said... um, the best technique to influence others towards Jesus is to influence your own heart towards Jesus. Live your life with Jesus at the centre. Because with Jesus at the centre of your life, that'll allow you to put Jesus at the centre of your relationships. And that allows you to put Jesus at the centre of your family and centre of your home. Okay? And that's what will make it a good home. Let's pray thank you lord i thank you so much um, that you've given this thing called family you know how hard it is for us and you know how we struggle but you know our hearts are for our children uh, and you know you want us we want to do the best we possibly can for them and for you so lord i ask that you be with our families And you would help us to put you at the centre and keep you at the centre, Lord. And particularly today, Lord, we thank you for our mums once again. Uh, We thank you for their hearts and we thank you for just their love, their sacrificial love for their children. So, Lord, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen.